you know, we use this term like, love, and then live it. Do you like it? Do you love it? And then, or do you live it, right? And living it is a completely different thing than even loving it. Because you might love it, but you really don't work at it. Wow. And living it is a whole nother thing, right? So if you live it, what does that mean? Living it means that I'm gonna, I'm willing to get up every day to go to class because I know that's an important part. Otherwise, I don't play. I'm willing to get up at five o'clock in the morning and get in the weight room before class and get my lift on, go to class, come back, and then get up 300 shots in the offseason, right? I'm willing to do everything I need to do, work on my ball handling, whatever it might be, but I got to get in the gym and live it, right? Not just love it. Welcome to the Jamoti Podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders. So let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamoti, just a matter of doing it. Today, we are joined by the assistant men's basketball coach at Collin College, Rick Whitmer. As a player, Coach Whitmer was All-State for two years at San Jose City College. At Vanguard University, he was an All-American and Player of the Year in the GSAC. Coach Whitmer was a varsity assistant for four years at Santa Clara High School and helped them to win two league titles. He spent 15 years in the AAU circuit with Texas Elite. After three years as an assistant coach at Prestonwood Christian Academy in Plano, Texas, he became an assistant coach at Collin College. Before we hear from Coach, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Jamoti Podcast. There it is. How What's up, you? Coach? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you doing, man? Good to see your face. You too, man. You too. I'm doing awesome here. I can't complain. What about you? Doing great, man. Just, uh, you know, we're in full-blown recruiting mode right now, so we're, we're trying to get some guys signed and we're bringing some guys in from out of state, so it's a super busy time. So, How, how is that different for you guys? I mean, I, I was just today reading an article uh, by uh, Frank Martin at UMass talking about just how different the landscape is now with the portal with uh he he mentioned that like after the, since the season's been done six of his players have entered the portal and so it's just like almost rebuilding a brand new team every year at Colin College what how have you guys felt or dealt with that yeah you know it's interesting we, it's the same you know we're feeling it just like i think the big d1 programs feel it right where i'll give you a great example i just brought a kid in yesterday um really good player, you know, he's a big kid, six, seven, six, eight, can spray it like crazy, can really shoot it. Um, you know, and he came in, he had a little bit of an injury. He came in yesterday and played really well, recovering from an injury, but we wouldn't have had, you know, with all the things that are going on with the portal and all this, we probably never would have had a shot at this guy, but because he was injured and because of the portal, you know, coaches are just waiting, right? They're waiting for situations to unfold before they sign kids. We brought this kid in yesterday and, you know, we were like, wow, this kid's a pretty good player. Probably wouldn't have had a shot at this guy, you know, yeah. two, three years ago before COVID and the portal and all those things. But yeah, we're, we're feeling the effects and, and we're even kind of waiting and kind of seeing, right. Kids entering the portal saying, well, you know, we, we got this one local kid, we like him, but we kind of want to wait and see because we got two or three portal guys coming into yeah. the workout. So yeah, it's just, it's changed everything. It really has. And I, I really feel bad for the high school guys sometimes because the high school guys are really the ones that are getting stung right right now because um 
they're the kind of the last of the yeah <laughs> of the of the options, if you will, for some of the coaches. Right, they're looking at D one transfers, D two, and NAIA players of the years. You know, those guys are getting looks from the Big Twelve schools now, and then you know the JUCO guys, and then you got international guys, and then you got high school guys. So it really it, it's unfortunate for some of the high school players. Really really good, good players. They're going to have to probably settle on things uh, at a lower level than they thought they, they should be at. So, hmm. I mean, I, I don't know if the portal is going anywhere, but just the number of players that are in there and obviously the extra number of players in, still in college of basketball, how, how far away do you think we are from maybe some feeling of normalcy? That's a great question. We were just talking about that the other day as a staff, because we kind of did the end of year kind of you know get together it's like i don't know it's a great question it could be a year it could be two more years three more years not sure but you know because now you're dealing with a lot of the fifth year seniors too because they got that extra covid year so this coming year makes it difficult because you got those fifth year guys right because they got that covid year back and so yeah maybe it could be a couple years two or three years but yeah hopefully it gets back to some normalcy but to your point coach there's so many guys in the portal right it's like for guys like us, it's a good thing because we see a lot of these, you know, freshman D1 bounce backs that we yeah. might be able to get a, a hold of. But, yeah, it's it's going to be a while, I think. To me, it seems like what a great opportunity for guys that do show loyalty to the place where they are. Like, let, let's just say I'm a I'm an average player <laughs> at a, at a big-time school. I should, in my mind, if I like the school, if I have good friends, if I like the coaching staff, I should stay put because there's a good chance that a lot of these guys that I'm competing against right now, they're going to make a choice to go somewhere else. And so, I mean, even though maybe guys coming in have an advantage of levels that they've played, I think a bigger advantage is actually knowing the system, knowing the coaching staff, having time under your belt with them. That might be a huge advantage for guys to stick around. I couldn't agree with you more, Coach. And you're a you're a guy speaking from wisdom, right? You're we're <laughs> you're still a young guy. I'm an old dusty guy, but I'll, I'll tell you, I, I couldn't agree with you more because I think you know it's it's kind of that old adage of the grass is greener on the other side. I think some of these young guys think, well, you know, if I didn't play as a freshman, so I'm upset. Yeah, kids don't understand how hard it is as a freshman, especially when you're at the Division One, Division Two level. Yeah, it, it's it's the difference of an 18 year old young man playing against 22 and sometimes 23 year old grown men, right? That transition is extremely difficult just from a physicality standpoint, knowing how to play the game. And freshmen get so impatient sometimes that, Hmm. well, I didn't play much as a freshman and they want to, they want to bounce, right? They want to leave and go to a different program. Well, I think to your point, right? It's, it's such an advantage to stay. You, you, You know, the system, you know, the offensive and defensive schemes, why not stay and take advantage, right? As long as you're still wanted in that program, I just would love to see kids have a little bit more stick to yeah. with their program versus just jumping ship, you know? And, and we're not talking about, and that's what, another thing Frank Martin said, is that we're not talking about people leaving a bad situation. You know, if, if you happen to be with a coach that's verbally abusive, that's just not like it's a negative, it's a toxic culture. Like this is all based on fear. I think those are more and more rare, especially, I mean, maybe what this does too, is it forces if there was anybody resistant to thinking about culture or that culture is not that important, this is probably going to 
change them a ton. Like people need to go to your school and stay in your program because they see the value in it and the positive atmosphere. But if, if now, and Frank Martin said, people are leaving great situations. There, mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong and they're making changes. So go back to our, our you know original point is people say now that playing hard is a skill. Effort is a skill. Not everybody has it. So if you if you can do that, that makes you unique. I think now maybe loyalty may be a skill. And if you can stay and remain when the, the feeling is to, like you said, maybe the grass is greener, uh, you might be able to make yourself more valuable and stand out more just by sticking around. No, I agree. I, I think, you know, part of it is I think it's a different generation, too. Where I think a lot of these players are, some of them are so good, so young, right? They get coddled a little bit from their junior high to high school programs to yeah. AAU programs, and they never really go through a bunch of adversity. And then they all of a sudden get to college, and they realize, wow, everybody in here can really hoop. Yeah, right? yeah, these guys are all really good. And then all of a sudden, you're sitting, and, and it's a culture shock. Like, wow, the, I've never had to sit, right? And so I think kids get impatient, and it's just I think part of kind of where things are. I I hope at some point it reverts back to where kids just stick, you know, and they just, when you get into, like you said, you get into a great situation, you know, good culture, you know, good men running the program. You, you know, feel like you're improving. Stay. I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they just stay, you know, I just love to see because you, you see the kind of, there are some programs that kind of have that culture built and, and what you're seeing, like as an example in the NCAA tournament, you're seeing some of these schools beat these bigger schools because they have guys that have been there four or five years. They play together. They understand how to play. They're certainly not the more talented team, but because they stuck together and they they, they kind of grew up in a culture of this is how we're going to play, they're beating the Kentuckys of the world. They're beating yeah. the Texas Techs of the world, right? So you, you just kind of can see it in the evolution of what, what's going on in, in college basketball. It's kind of fun, right? It's, no it's doubt. March Madness so exciting, right? Because you got these schools that – you think, well, there's no way these guys are going to win. And boom, yeah. they, they beat these guys because they got seniors and juniors that have been there a while, you know. Well, man, I want to thank you so much for for giving up your time coming on Talking Hoops with me. I've always enjoyed our our friendship back from the McKinney days, getting to know you and your sons. Um, I've always appreciated the love and passion that you have for the game. And I knew that you were a great player when you played. And, and then it's been so cool to now see you. You've had – so much coaching experience, especially in the select world, than at Prestonwood, and now getting to kind of live out your dream at Cullen College. So, man, thank you so much for for doing this, Coach. It's a pleasure to be on your show. I've uh, I've always been uh, enamored with you. I saw you doing workouts early on in the McKinney days, and I, I said, man, that guy's going to be a heck of a coach one day. So, I, I, I uh, I've always respected you too, man. So, when I had the opportunity to do this for you and with you, I'm jumping all over that. So, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really excited. You've been able to be around some great coaches and great programs from McKinney with your involvement there, just in with Wes Watson, who and we both know I, he's one of my favorites and I think one of the best around. Then he got to go to uh, Prestonwood and work with another one of my favorites, Jeff Clarkson, now Coach Sagona, like at Collin College. I mean, you've you've seen it, and I, I imagine that all of those programs have great cultures. How does that? How does culture drive performance? Yeah, I think it's super important, right? It's, uh, you know, a great example, like with Jeff Clarkson, he's one of my favorite guys on the planet, right? I mean, honestly, that guy, one, he's, he's a great coach. More importantly, he's a great man, Yeah, right? You know, um, 
and his culture, you know, I was blessed enough to spend four years coaching with him at Prestonwood. And man, I got to tell you, I learned so much from Coach Clarkson, just how to go about the, just the blocking and tackling of every day, right? Yeah. Like, you know, what do you, the process in which he goes through the culture in which he built with, you know, the expectations of the players, uh, the parents, right? Because yeah. even the parent, it's, it's important for the parents. But more importantly, just preparing those guys, not only for basketball, but but to be great young men in their communities, right? Jeff just did an incredible job of uh, putting his arms around his players, um, kind of leading them down the, the right path, right? And then, you know, and then really working hard, right? And working hard at it. And the culture that he built was it, you know, we're going to grind, right? We're going to grind. We're going to go to practice every day. And it's going to be, you know, we're going to go hard every day and then, you know, there's expectations that you got to do these certain things to be successful, right? And it's not just about that day in practice. It's about getting extra shots up. It's about getting in the weight room. It's about nutrition and all those things, right? And I got to watch that for four years with Jeff and it was incredible, right? Mm. And so I was just so lucky to be a part of his program and um, and kind of watching him go about how he does it. And you know, Jeff, he's just a, you know, he's just one of the best guys out there, right? And, yep. and uh, I just, uh, I missed him one. <laughs> You know, if it, if it really wasn't for the Colin opportunity, because JUCO is really where I wanted to be, I would have been with him for the next 15 years because I just mm-hmm. love I love him as a person. And but I love how he went about running his program. And you can see it in the players. You can see it with the administration and just everybody understands and gets what he's doing. So I think culture is a huge part, you know, of running a successful program. Right. And it starts at the top with your head coach. So, you know, you you had an interesting experience with. Being on, uh, even though you've been doing AAU for a long time, and I'm not diminishing that at all. Like, that's a challenge. And you're, I mean, you're coaching games. You have practices where it's, sometimes you have it guys in and out, like hard to get everybody there. You don't, but school ball is different in the fact that you don't practice as much. Um, and, you, you know, you get to be around those players a little bit more. And you do play maybe not more games, but, Golly, I just don't. I always tell our guys, there's nothing like district play, and there's nothing like playoffs, and just the how the meaning behind each of those games. So you've been able to see that process as a parent with your sons, but then what was it like moving from that role to in school ball, especially being an assistant coach? Was there like a, a, a an oh wow, like I, maybe I didn't understand all that it takes or uh, higher appreciation with how parents can be like, what was that change like for you? Coach, that's such a great question. And and it it really hits home with me because I really did see, like I had, I had one perception of being an AAU guy for all those years. Right. Because it's just, it is what it is. Right. And going, going into high school, and then going through like my first season and then even my second and third, it was like night and day. Mm. I can honestly tell you that it was because I had one expectation. And when I got there and realized it's totally different, right? When you talk about district play, you know, like I'll give you an example. Like we get to district play, you know, Bishop Bishop Lynch knew every set. They knew every call. They knew every set. And, you know, you're kind of rolling along through the season, running your certain things, running horns, running five out, all these things, and it's working. And all of a sudden you get to district play and it's different, right? Yeah. They're, they, they're getting, they're able to get stops on you because they know what's coming. And 
the, the preparation of, of some of these schools and conference play is just at another level. And that's the stuff you do not see in AAU, right? It's because you're just you're just playing, right? You're, you're I mean, in to some do... sense, it's a little more pure because it's just your five versus their five. We're just going to see who's better, you know, who's True. better at what we do. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I agree with you. And and so there is some pureness to that too, right? But at the end of the day, it's it's um, what I found found it was just more difficult, right? To to run sets, get scores when you need them, and uh, and then just to prepare to to, to be prepared on our end, right? We spent in district play just so much more time really truly understanding what they're running and we're doing the same thing they are right we know yeah. their calls we know their their sets and it's just like okay everybody knows what you're doing but now who's going to run it better who's going to do the little things that make each set work better right and and that's what those games boil down to they usually boil down to five or six possessions because you did them better than the other guys right yeah so, yeah I, uh that's a great question and and the the, the difference is to me night and day right so I do, I do have a much greater appreciation for high school coaches now <laughs> because, because of the, what they go through, through the season. And I, you know, I lived it for four years with Jeff and it was, it was just a different deal. I think it's so cool though, that you got to do both, you know, and, and got to experience both because I, I think part of maybe my frustration at times over the years is it's not the parent's fault that there's a disconnect. That they don't really, because not every not every parent's like you, played at a high level where you're a great player, you love the game, you're all in it, you're doing select stuff on your own. Like, I mean, if anybody had a right to sit there and say like, okay, I maybe I don't understand why or what we're doing. Like, it's someone like you, and not that you did that, but but then I, my goal now is like to try to bridge that gap more and more with parents and you know, maybe being at a private school where, you know, they pay to be here. They don't pay to play basketball here, but they pay to go to school here. They have a little bit more, not a say in what we do, but if they want to know why, I feel like they have a legitimate reason for asking that. I don't think it's bad even at a public school for if parents want to know why some things that we open that door and we have that conversation. But I'm telling you, I, I think I've always told parents that I will never know your son better than you do for me to say that i know him just like you're that is just <laughs> stupid i didn't raise him i haven't been around him but as a basketball player and you know now from just the amount of time we get to spend with them throughout the week the hours the minutes and then you put that on top of weeks and months together let alone off season and things like that i start to get a pretty good idea of the basketball player that he is maybe even the competitor that he is. And I think that's sometimes where there's a disconnect of that. The idea that as coaches, we don't know our players that well, Kali, we see them all the time. And I, I want to help bridge that gap with them a little bit. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a different. Yeah. I, like I said, it's just a di totally different experience from the, the AAU thing to the high school thing. And now I'm, now I'm coaching in college and it's just a whole nother level. Oh it's, man. It's, it's uh, which which I really do appreciate, but I'm I'm glad I kind of went through that transition because, like you said, I have a much greater appreciation now for what high school coaches go through because honestly, I really didn't understand. Honestly, I was kind of blind to it. Right, I was a player, and then I got into AAU, and I did that for a long time, and I just kind of thought, oh, that's how it is. Well, it's a totally different deal, right? Yeah, and I really do appreciate what you guys go through uh, because it is a grind, right? It's a it's a total grind, and there's so much to it so much more than in a summer setting. Right. And, 
And it's just, uh, and I watch guys like you who run successful programs. And I just, I really appreciate what you guys do because it's not easy. You know, it's not easy. It's hard. Coaches, the Jamoti podcast is powered by Bology. Manage and measure your players' skill development and increase accountability year-round utilizing the Bology app. Boost inter-squad competition with drills backed by the National High School Basketball Coaches Association, including a 40-shot Bology skills assessment. Please visit Bology.com teams for information on how you can provide this resource for your team. What's that transition that now been like from high school with, with like at Prestonwood to, to Collin College, which, I mean, talk about successful programs and, and what, that year out, year in, like have just incredible cultures. What's been the big, your biggest takeaways from differences with that jump? Yeah, well, one, it's the talent level, right? I mean, there's just incredible levels of talent. I mean, Division One JUCO basketball is the real deal. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of talent, and um, so that that's the first piece. But I think this the second piece is, you know, this was the big eye opener for me, right? When when I when Coach Sagona had an opening and I interviewed for it and and he hired me, the uh, the the biggest jump for me was the level of intensity, mm. right? Like at four years at Prestonwood, you know, the kids play hard, you know, practice every day. But there's a whole there's like a second year and a third year in JUCO. And I knew it was so Sagona hired me, you know, at the beginning of the summer last year. So we were kind of messing with the guys that were there the year before. And I knew I wouldn't be coaching a lot of these guys, but we had open gyms and I'd show up these open gyms just to kind of get myself inserted. Right. And, and coach, just the open gyms were nuts, right? They wow. were killing each other going. It was like they were playing in a cha- NCAA championship game. I mean, they were just going at each other, right? And I'm like, okay, you know, I did two years in JUCO before I went off and played at the four-year. And I remember what that was like, but I'd kind of forgotten, right? Yeah, yeah. So I get, in, I get in there in the summer and I see all of a sudden, man, you know, you can tell some of these guys are playing to get out of a situation, right? They're trying to, they're trying to play – to get to the next level, get a scholarship and change their lives. And you can feel it. And I could feel it in open gym. And I'm going, man, these guys are really going at each other. So although high school has a certain level of intensity, as you not, go up to the like next that. level, it's a whole, as you know, right. You played at Baylor. You were a fantastic player. You know, that level of intensity, right? It's like, even in an open gym, these guys are, are wanting to win every single game and they're super competitive. And so that was the biggest jump for me. And then just from an accountability standpoint, right? It's like, and, and I love this about Coach Sagona. So I'm going to brag on his program a little bit. He's been doing it 36 years, but, yeah. you know, he doesn't take, I hate to say this, but in JUCO, sometimes you get this this uh, perception of a bunch of knuckleheads, right? Sometimes you get these knuckleheads that come to JUCO, right? And, that, and that's not the case, but sometimes people perceive that. And, and you do get them from time to time. Well, he doesn't take any of those guys. So he's very selective of who he takes. Um, and, and the accountability piece was to me is, is what really sticks out too, because he's trying to recruit really good young men and we don't want to go chasing guys to have to go to class and get grades and stuff like that. He's, he's recruiting kids that are stand up kids that, that want to, you know, we use this term like love and then live it. Do you like it? Do you love it? And then, or do you live it, right? And living it is a completely different thing than even loving it. Because you might love it, but you really don't work at it. Wow. And living it is a whole nother thing, right? So if you live it, what does that mean? 
living it means that I'm gonna I'm willing to get up every day to go to class because I know that's an important part. Otherwise, I don't play. I'm willing to get up at five o'clock in the morning and get in the weight room before class and get my lift on, go to class, come back, and then get up 300 shots in the off season. Right? I'm willing to do everything I need to do, work on my ball handling, whatever it might be, but I got to get in the gym and live it, right? Not just love it. Cause we got, I'll be honest with you. We've got some guys on our team right now that we brought in as freshmen that, that say they love it and they probably do, but they're really not living it. Right. They're more interested in doing Xbox or they're more yeah. interested in hanging out with their girlfriend. Right. Well, look, you got a short window in Juco of two years, sometimes one, but two years. Well, what am I going to do to leverage that and take advantage of that? Right. Mm. Am I going to sit around and do nothing? but I do love basketball or am I going to live it and grind for the next two years? So I solidify my position to get that next scholarship and change my life. Right. That's, those are the kind of guys that Sagona tries to bring in. And so I really do appreciate that. Right. So that's, that's something that we're, we're, we're trying to find in every player that we're recruiting right now as, as we're sitting here talking, right. Yeah. We're, we're in full recruiting mode. So anyway, that, that's, that's kind of how I see. It. And those are the real eye openers for me, man. What a great idea there. Like, that's a total, that's a mind shift uh, because I've got a, a great fine faith Christian school. I've got a lot of guys that like basketball and you know what? That's okay. Like here, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because sometimes kids, I joke around and say like, cause some of the, my coaching buddies will say, yeah, we had a, man, we had a six, five guys interested in coming to play. I'm like, Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, I had a kid, I can't, I had a kid interested, but he didn't know if he wanted to do band or if he wanted to be in theater or basketball, like that's, <laughs> he's choosing between those. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, theater is probably great, but uh, you know, we got a lot of guys that like it. And then some, sometimes we have some dudes that love it. Like they're willing to put in some extra time. Like I would say my stepson, he's going to be a junior next year. He's kind of in that, like he loves it. Living it though. It is a total shift of your priorities of your time, what you think about and, and the level of distractions that you have, I mean, you really start to become jealous with those minutes that you have every day, and you start to think about things differently. Like, I, it's, you know, I, I, I always tell our guys, like, you worked hard today, but just remember, there's someone out doing, someone else doing more. I mean, that, that has to be in the front of your mind that someone else doing more. But the, I think the challenge for me then, Coach, is, like you, what you were talking about in that open gym with those guys that every possession, they're really playing for something, that desperation. How do I take that feeling and try to translate that and get my guys at Grapevine Faith Christian School to do that? I mean, that's my question to you. Yeah, that, you know. Um, I th- for the I time that I have them, how do I get them to be trained like that, play like that? Yeah, I think it's, a, I think, it. you know, I think it, boils down to goals, right? Personal goals. Like what, what is your personal goal? Right? Like, cause I, I asked that kid, I asked that question to a lot of our guys, right? Cause even though they're in Juco, you know, I, I always start with, well, what are your goals? What do you want out of basketball? Right. And you get pretty much the standard answer in Juco because they're, they're all shooting for that next ride, right? We're on scholarship now, but they gotta, they gotta earn the next one. Right. So, um, I would say, you know, the one thing is start with goals with your with your guys and say, hey, what do you what is it that you want out of basketball? And to your point, right? Not every kid at your level in high school is going to play in college. Playing in high school is great. It's a great experience. So how do we take advantage of that? But while you're here, what is your goal? Like, do you want to be an all academic guy? Do you want to be an, an all conference player? Right? Do you just want to come off the I mean, what are you, what are your goals with it? And if they're 
they're, they're always going to shoot for the, the the highest level they can, I, I would I would assume. But then start with that. And, and <laughs> I really like to ride there. the bench, and I'd like to uh, <laughs> never really contribute at all. Yeah, right. you don't get that. You don't get that that answer a lot. I want to pass water bottles. Out yeah, there. but yeah, what you're no. talking about is uh, it really boils down to relationships with your players. Like yeah. in order for you to know the goals that they have. You got to have a relationship with them, which means you have to have spent time with them one on one outside of the lines where at that point it's you don't have a moment in practice. Hey, let's just stand here and talk about your goals. You have to set a make a priority to have that time with your players. 100 percent. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, once you get the goals from the guys and you can almost reverse engineer their activity to, to reach those goals. Right. That's like, good. Okay, so- so if you say you want to be an all-conference player, well, let's reverse engineer that. What does that take to get to that point, right? Hey, are you getting up 300 shots a day? You're not? Okay, well, then you're not really, you know, you're not really being genuine about your goals, right? You're saying you want to do X, but you're not willing to put in the work to do that, right? And um, maybe one good way, is, we don't do this, but I'm just thinking out loud here. Well, maybe one good way is to write those things down. So as you meet with your players at the beginning of the year and you say, what are your goals? You document those things. And yeah. so you say you want to be X. Okay. Well, we're going to document what it takes to reverse engineer that to say, this is how we get to that point. Right. Now you have something in writing with your player that says, Hey, I'm thinking out loud. I'm thinking this is what I should be doing with my guys. Right. Well, so, yeah, I think you're talking about that. That's next level, next level coaching. I think a lot of coaches will ask players, what are your goals? And when they say, oh, like as a junior, they say, well, next year I want to be a starter and I want to do this and that. A lot of I think a lot of coaches will ask those questions and say, oh, that's great. Let's go. I'm behind you. I believe in you. Yeah, that's OK. But like the, the whole idea between behind uh, Josh Medcalf's book, Burn Your Goals, is the goal by itself isn't enough. Uh, the goal without a plan is a wish. Like, I think a lot of players are just wishing. Like, you have that goal, and I love that term, of reverse engineer that. Okay, what are the steps that we have to take? Now that we have those steps down, forget that. Let's focus on this part. Let's focus on the steps. And here's the idea is, you know, player uh, Johnny, is that you can't skip these steps. If you skip these steps, what you say you want, won't happen. And so then you get them past the point of just saying something and wishing it, but actually giving them action steps where you and I both know talk is cheap. Like you can tell me you want this, but how do you spend your Saturdays? Like that tell me what you did on Saturday. Well I slept in till noon and then I got up and I had a pop tart and then I played video games till four. And then I went and played a little, you know, played a little uh uh, uh ping pong with my like okay. <laughs> sorry like so anyway <laughs> well i i can i can i tell you a story real quick yes i think I, I think it really hits home to what you're saying it's about the work right it's about reverse engineering your goals so without naming names i don't want to put one of my players on this but we we had a guard on our team okay high school super um successful high school team almost won a state title 6a here locally great player comes to our program okay never sat you know played all the minutes at, at his high school team but all of a sudden now he's playing behind a, th- a third year sophomore that we've had got the covid year back you know talking about an 18 year old playing against 21 year old okay yeah so now he's coming off the bench never had to face that adversity in his life 
Well, beginning of the year, he played okay. And then he hit a kind of a, a roadblock of about the middle of the year and, and wasn't playing well, wasn't shooting it well, was turning the ball over. And we, we just, we had to sit him a little bit, right? But the one thing about this kid, and this is what I love about this kid, he had a process. He knew what his goals were every day. He was going to get 300 shots up a day. He was a gym rat and he lived it, coach. He lived it. And he was in that gym. He was working and working and working. And he had a, you know, he had, he had a, a, a mental breakdown one day. I had to spend 45 minutes sitting with him in the locker room, talking to him and basically told him, man, we believe in you. And, and he kept grinding, even though he was frustrated and upset, but he stuck to his process, right? He stuck to the, to the getting the shots up, getting his workouts in. Coach, by the by about three quarters of the way through the season, we couldn't take him off the floor. And that is so satisfying to watch a young man go through that adversity, stick with his process, and get to the point of the season where he was playing so well, we couldn't get him off the floor. And yeah. by the end of the season, he was one of our better guys, right? And so it was just so great to watch a kid, a young man go through that. And that's to me is the is really what it's all about, right? And so yeah, this kid's living it, right? He's living it. And I just love him for it. He's one of my favorite kids I've ever coached. He's just an incredible young man. And I love getting to hear that from a college coach. Because I think sometimes the perception is, is that it's, yeah, there is some business to college athletics. But there's still the, I, I, I recruited you. We brought you in because we believe in you. Things aren't going perfect, but you know, let, 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 we're behind you. Here's the step by step process. And then working with that player with the ups and downs, and then celebrating and finding that joy when you see him be successful. I just think that's important for people to know like that does happen in college athletics. It is not, hey, we brought you in. You're not doing your job. Sit there, shut your mouth. We're going to actually recruit over you anyway. It, no, like there, there's this is a relationship business or game still. And I think that story shows it right there. I agree with you, Coach. It's 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 all about relationships, man. That that's it's not it's sometimes not even about basketball. You know, you get guys in your program; they can all play. But at the end of the day, it's about these these young men. You know, I I I, I use the term with my guys all the time. It's hundred year relationships, right? This is what these are, and and I, I want to go to these guys' weddings, right? I want to go. I want to be there when their kids are born. Um, and, and that's the goal, man. And so to watch guys like that uh, go through what he went through this year, I'm just so proud of that young man. Um, I, I couldn't even tell you. He's just a great, great guy. And, and and that's what it's about, Coach. It's about, you know, making these guys the best players that can be, but also these relationships. And that's, that's what's going to carry for a lot longer than basketball. All right. So. Coaches, the Jamoti Podcast is powered by Shoot360. The future of basketball has arrived in Dallas-Fort Worth. Shoot360 combines the latest sports technology with the fundamentals of basketball skill development. The result is a -a one-of-a-kind video game-like basketball program designed to improve your shooting, dribbling, and passing. Visit Shoot360DFW.com to learn more and register for your free one-hour workout evaluation. Shoot360, the future of basketball is here. I'd love to know what you thought or about the recruiting process because at Prestonwood you had a ton of players that you were guiding through this process but on that end what's it been like for you now on 
the process of you're trying to find players. I mean, we talked about the portal early on. Has the recruiting process been what you thought? Is it enjoyable or is it like just different than you ever dreamt? Because I have an idea as a former player, but never having done as a coach of something that that personally I don't want to get near or touch, you know, but how's that been for you? Yeah, it's, you know, I, I, I actually really enjoy it. Like it's, it's one of the areas I, I really love just, you know, trying to sell our program to these young men. It's hard though, because, you know, at Colin, as you know, region five, if you ask most division one, division two NCAA coaches, you know, what's one of the best JUCO conferences in the country, they're going to tell you region five. Hmm. So region five is super competitive and it's hard to get, you know, really, really good players sometimes. And so when you, you got to be, you know, as Sagona will say, we're looking for pros, guys, you know, guys that kind of flew under the radar, but they're, they're going to be pros one day. I mean, that's the kind of level of guy we're trying to find. It's really, really hard. So what I found is as you get on the phone, you start calling these guys and, and trying to sell the program. They're talking to the every other JUCO out there. They're talking to D2s, D1s. And so we're really trying to get Division One guys that that either, you know, flew under the radar um, or just for whatever reason didn't get recruited. We're trying to find those guys. And it's really, really difficult. Right. So that's when you end up waiting for portal guys and things yeah. like that. It's just, so it becomes very difficult. But I really do enjoy that part of the process. Um, and it, but it is, uh, to your point, coach, I, I thought it would be a little easier. It's, it's hard, man. It's very competitive, right? Cause yeah. now the one thing I think, you know, Colin has a, a, a pretty distinct advantage. And I think this is one of the things I, I always try to sell with, with, with players is one, you know, our coach has been there a very, very long time. Sagona has been there 36 years. So that, that's a huge advantage for a, a guy coming to a Juco because he has relationships, right? Yeah. I mean, just a few short years ago. They had a kid named Taz Sherman. I wasn't there, but Taz Sherman played for Colin. We ended up going to West Virginia and played for Bob Huggins, and he was the number two scorer in the Big 12 last year. So, you know, and he's a pro now. He's making a bunch of money overseas. Those are the kind of guys we're trying to get, and it's just really, really hard. So, mm-hmm. in fact, the Sagun has been there a long time. You know, he has relationships with a lot of big, big schools out there. So that's a big selling point for us. The other thing for us is – you know, our facilities are really good. We have a great apartment living situation where kids get their own, you know, bedroom, which is very unique in a JUCO environment, right? <laughs> Most JUCOs, you know, you know, you got two or three guys sleeping in the same room. They get our own, their own uh, bedrooms, but also the facility, the dining commons, the weight room is all right there. So nice. no excuses, right? If you want to become a better player, you've got all the resources to become that player if you're just willing to put in the work. So that's one of the things we try to sell as a, as a you know, a program thing but it is it is hard man it's not easy you know getting kids to commit and so we go through a pretty rigorous process you know we one of the things we do make sure we do is we talk to their AAU coaches right we talk to their high school coaches we try to talk to people that know them maybe like a, a third party guy that doesn't really know but he's seen them play a lot we we do a lot of checks and balances to make sure we're bringing in the right kind of guys mm-hmm. so but it you is made, it is very difficult you made a comment fly guys that fly under the radar so back, I mean, back when you and I played, one, no social media. Um, select basketball was different. I mean, truly guys were selected off of high school teams to yeah. go play and maybe one or two, maybe. And there just weren't that many teams. Coach, how how nowadays 
with all of the ranking services, with with social media, with Huddle, all these. How do guys still fly under the radar or just somehow get missed? Because you you hear the 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 quote, "If you can play, they'll find you." Right, and I, I do believe in that. But then we see guys all the time that just for whatever reason just get missed. How does that still happen? Yeah, it's a good question. I um, Sagona and I talk about, about this all the time. You know, it's funny because these these guys will come out with these rankings, right? Uh, this guy's a top fifty player in DFW. Is he? I don't know. He might be. <laughs> <laughs> Is he? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Shoot, maybe. And then you watch him play, and you're like, really? Yeah, that guy number ten point guard. I don't know. So, so what I'm trying to say is like we'll look at a kid and he might be ranked top fifty. Great, but the reality is we want to put our eyes on him, right? Mm. Because there's nothing like putting your eyes on a kid. So we don't really put a lot of weight into like the ranking system and all that stuff because you know uh, there's a there's a kid I coached years ago. He wasn't on anybody's boards Um, here, right here in McKinney, right? He ended up, uh, you know, wasn't recruited. He had to go the JUCO route, ended up playing at Idaho State and having a, two great years and was second team all big sky and, and dropped 30 on Damon Lillard when they were 10-0. and 0, right? nice. So that kid, ultimate guy that flew under the radar, right? There's a, there's a lot of great players out there that maybe didn't hit the ranking boards. And so when we see that, we don't put a lot of weight in those rankings um, sometimes. Sometimes they're, they're legitimate, but sometimes, yeah. you know, there's kids you're just like, Man, that, I just saw this kid play who's not ranked, and he should be on that list. So it's it's a hit or miss thing, but we just love to put our eyes on kids. So what we try to do is either obviously go out and see him play, but we like to bring him in too and like sometimes play with our guys because our guys are playing at a whole nother level, right? Again, the competitiveness. You know, we just brought a kid in yesterday. We mm-hmm. want to see how they compete with our guys. And so um, that's the ultimate test, and I think we just, we just love to see him in that environment and, and then make a decision from there. Because I've always struggled that even with our team and and rankings and things like that. Like, how do I handle that as a coach when I don't know TABC or Taps has our our team ranked somewhere? And Mike Neighbors had an interesting quote. He said because uh, uh, the Arkansas women's team got got ranked, and he said rankings don't mean everything, but they don't mean nothing. Yeah, like that. And I think that a little bit with the player too. Like they don't mean everything. Meaning, if it says I'm top, I'm top 100. Well, all right, let's go, colleges. Here I am. <laughs> but, but also, it doesn't mean nothing. Um, like they mean something. So, Agreed. as for players, I mean, it's it's important to pay attention, but not to rise and fall with how that lines up. Because I mean, I'm convinced that. Coach Thomas at the Colony had a great relationship with Mike Kunstad at Texas Hoops. And that ranking used to be the only one, the Texas mm-hmm. Hoops ranking. And I used to go to the Gassos where you'd get a, a number, a jersey, and you just play against other guys for three or four games, and they just sit there and evaluate you. And, and like, so I went to those enough, had a good relationship with my high school coach with that. I, I'm sure, Coach, if people saw me in the top 10 as a senior, they would have gone, Saman? Like, are you serious? <laughs> but so, but at the same time, like, I did the work, and I went places, and my high school coach was able to say things about me. And so, I, again, I just I, – but that fly under the radar, it's like, how? 
with everything available now, like how do people get missed? But I'm sure it's possible. Yeah, no, it happens. I mean, we we have a kid right now at a column that, uh, I mean, this guy is an unbelievable player. Unbelievable. He came out of the, you know, the South Texas region and played at a really big high school. Didn't get recruited by anybody coming out of high school. And we end up mm. getting him. He's been like two years for us as a freshman. He was first team all conference in our in our district and uh, had another great year this year. And he's getting recruited by a bunch of schools. So, yeah, he's he was that, you know, he's a great example of that kid that just kind of flew under the radar. But, you know, he's had division ones crawling all, all over him all year. So, you know, how does a kid like that get missed? Right. It's just, you know, and you watch him play, you just go, man, this guy's a freak athlete. He's a great, you know, great shooter, can score it, can defend. Well, who had it had they miss on this guy? Right. So it happens, I think, more often than we think. Yeah. Um, and I just I don't know the rhyme or reason to it. But and to your point, right, those rankings do matter sometimes. Right. And they're most of those kids deserve to be on those lists. But there are some that they just flat out miss that that they're not on the list and they should be. Right. So, yeah, um, yeah we, we see that. And, and a lot of times, you know, those are the guys we're going to get sometimes. Right. That didn't make you know, that didn't make that list. But we watch we go out and watch him play and we're like, holy smokes, this guy's really, really good. Yeah. So the Jamoti podcast is powered by Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer for high quality, innovative scoring tables and LED video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans, create huge fundraising opportunities, and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. Is your style of play based on just what you love and you can fit any player into it? Um, or do you change up your style of play based on the players you have. I think that that's a really unique question for high school coaches, just because for the most part, we don't get to choose the players that we have. Whoever shows up in the fall, that's who we roll with. And, and then you either make that choice of this is how we play regardless of who we have or, but in college with the ability to, I, I like, let's just say um, I love, everybody says they love playing fast, but I, I love playing fast. So I'm going to, when I recruit players, I'm gonna, I want players to fit that. Where do you guys at Colin College sit? Is it a style of play that you love that you try to find players or best available? And then we'll adjust our style to what we have. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I would say it's the latter, right? I think, I think we're trying to get the, the best players we can, right? Because we're trying to find those, under, again, under the radar Division One guys, they missed out on and We're trying to get those guys, right? Um, so I think once we kind of assemble – the the pieces to the puzzle i'll give you a great example this year we changed our style of play game by game right because of who we were playing um you know we had a seven footer on the team this year and he was fantastic but there were some there were some games where just because of the matchups right we had to change what we did offensively and we had to change what we did defensively with him in the game or with him out of the game right mm. so there was well, we change our style sometimes by the game um so, I mean, we have a general style that we played with, right? Because, but I think to your point, right? Sagona's really good at that. And we we sat down and said, this is how I think we can play based on the, the talent that we have. And uh, you try to stick to that. But then it, sometimes, like I said, game to game, we made, we made changes just because of the personnel that we were playing against. I think that just shows probably how great of a coach he is and your whole staff, the ability to do that. I think it's still a growth area for me. Uh, uh, maybe a little bit of stubbornness or just, uh, you know, not knowing what I don't know yet, you know, but, uh, I think, uh, being willing to 
change and 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 uh, actually seeing, you know, what I, I sometimes I think I could see. Well, it'd probably be better if we did this, but am I too stubborn to make the change, or do I just flat out miss it? You know, but but in game or like I mean that's pretty impressive to me in game or game by game uh, making pretty drastic changes. But like you said, there's probably still some concepts that are fluid throughout. But that's still an area of the game where I got to improve. It's hard, coach, because you know, so like I'm I'm a personally I hate playing zone. <laughs> I just I just hate it. I mean, I'm, I'm maybe. I'm so you probably didn't ones. like watching us play this year because we sit in that that <laughs> no. three two that two and two. But I get it. Yeah. No, but 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 to to that point, right? I'm I'm not a huge zone guy, and like Sagona and I would get in these little chirpy conversations sometimes about it because, but, but he was right, right? Like sometimes we had to go zone because we just couldn't match up with some of the guys on their end, man to man. I mean, we just couldn't guard them, right? They they had guards that were really really good, and sometimes we just couldn't stay in front, so we had to change what we were doing on the fly sometimes or game by game. And I became more of a believer. I'm like, you know what, especially with the shot clock, right? There's, there's, yeah. it, it, it's a, it's a different deal, right? So you can do, you have the luxury to kind of do those things. Cause you know, at some point they got to shoot the ball, right? They can yep. just hold it forever. So, um, so yeah, we made those adjustments on the fly and, and it was eye opening for me. Cause I, I became more of a believer in the zone because there's times to do it and there's times not to do it. I was just this stubborn old school guy that just hated playing zone. Right. But Sagona, kind of got me thinking more like, hey, we have to do this for these reasons. I'm like, hey, you're right. You know, it, it makes sense. So I get that uh, for majority of I mean, with with Coach Thomas, we were all man to man. And then most of college and with Jeff, that name and Forrest, all man. Wes, we were until we we started getting some pressing stuff later on with him. But that's how I, I came to faith is like we, we're a man to man team. We don't play zone and, you know, and and. I remember I asked, because we were even pressing a little bit. I had a buddy watching us play, and I said, what do you think of our defense? He's like, well, it just seems like you, you're you trying to play a style that doesn't really fit your players. <laughs> I'm like, ouch! Like, that's a defensively just didn't fit, you know, pressing and trapping and, and trying to get the game going fast. And and, and then, you know, it's just hitting my head to go for pressure man to pack line. Well, pack line slows us the whole game down. Now, all of a sudden, we're playing in the 40s and 50s. And uh, and then it was just a w- random thing. I saw a, an assistant coach from Birdville asked him what they were doing. And he said, man, we run this 3-2 zone that we can really do a lot of things out of. And I said, okay, will you, will you send me some film? But like you, I was like, oh, zone. Like, I, just, I can't do that. And watch the film of it. You know, when you ever watch something and you're like, I don't, I don't really understand the rules. Like I can't really see what what they're doing and why. And and but but they seem to be covering a lot of area and space and and it's just difficult. I'm watching this team that they're playing the whole game just never look comfortable. And and we went to it. And man, it's been it's been pretty good to us over the years. And I like the idea uh for those guys that are still, you know. Uh, anti-zone or anything, but just think about what we spend the most time on offensively is our our man-to-man continuity, what we do against that, and our quick hitters, because every coach loves their 20, 30 plays that work every time. So it's like uh, (laughs) I get to take that time of their season and practice that they've done and wad it up and throw it out. Like I, I tell our sisters, I don't want to, I don't want their playbook to be open to us. So we kind of close it. Now they can have a few things against our three, two prepared, but if they don't know the rules, 
And the why, it's even harder. Not and it's not all. It's not. There's no defense that is uh, bulletproof, but it, it has been a cool thing to see and and a, a big change in my philosophy um, over the years. No, no, no doubt. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 not easy, but yeah, it's uh, it was an eye opener for me because it, it really got me thinking more about you know you, you really got to change on the fly, especially at our level. It, it's yeah. Just, Teams are so good offensively, man. You you, you got to come up with something to get try to get stops, right? And it, it you just got to change things up sometimes on the fly and then game by game. So I'm always blown away by the guys that seem to know when to make the right change at the right time. Because sometimes you watch games and you're like, golly, that seemed to be really working. I wonder why they got away from that. But that it's what in your opinion, like you're you're going through a game and you feel like defensively you got to make a change, like. What brings on that change? Is it like one bad possession or is it start to where they start to get a string of possessions where they're really looking comfortable and looking confident, you know? And then also like how, how long do you stay in that before maybe you get back to what you would consider your strength? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, like for us, every, every game we, we typically would start off, even if we felt like we were at a disadvantage Right. We would start the game, man. Right. We would just say, hey, we're we're going to stick it in the ground and see how we how we fare tonight at the beginning of the game. And we just kind of pay close attention to the first five, six possessions. Right. How that's going. Right. Are they are we, are, they, are we getting beat middle? Right. Where our philosophies keep everything on the sideline. We don't want anything to go middle. Right. Which is most coaches. But, you know, can we keep the guards in front? Um, are they getting penetration? Are they getting easy paint touches and kicks? Um, when those things start to happen, we the antennas go up. Right. And we're like, oh, and then if they go on a string of four or five, six, you know, buckets in a row, we'll, we might switch to zone. Right. So we just kind of play it. We, we usually would start man to man and then just kind of see how things went. Um, and a lot of times it went, you know, we'd switch it multiple times. Right. And we, you know, we would hedge on certain guys and we would switch on certain things. Right. Just depending yeah. on the personnel. And sometimes it's a lot for the players to comprehend and, and you, you, you get really mad because we'll say, Hey, everybody's going to switch except for our, our guy, right? Only, only the big's going to, and then he ends up switching and you just, you want to want to scream, right? <laughs> it's just those things. It's, it's, you work on in practice and, and they're just hard to implement sometimes in games. And, and as the game's going so fast, you know, the players sometimes forget what the scheme is. And so anyway, it's just a, it's a, it's a chess match, right? And it's, it's fun to watch Sagona because he's been doing it for a long time. He kind of knows when to make those adjustments and things like that. And I'll nudge him from time to time. Hey, let's go this or let's go that. And it was just kind of fun watching him make those adjustments during a game. So yeah. we usually start man and then we, we just kind of see how it goes. Right. The art of coaching, right. That, that just, yeah. I mean, you can watch it a ton on TV and, and you can read books. You can even have played at, mm-hmm. at a high level, but the reps, the mistakes learning from those over the years, I can't imagine just, uh, yeah, he's definitely playing chess. So I think a lot of guys probably feel like they're playing checkers against yeah. him. But uh, another question for you. So I'm not surprised at all that you enjoy the recruiting process because, you one, you're a great relationship guy. We we talked early on about how much you love the game. And, like, I would imagine you going on the road and sitting in a gym and watching players, hard to call that work, right? <laughs> like, I think you would just – that's how you feel. But with that relationship piece, I bet you're great with the players. So you you talked about the one that one guy that kind of had, you know, came from a successful program. 
had some downs to start the year, but then worked his way out. I think it's important for high school players to, or even high school coaches to hear that college players struggle with confidence too. Theirs can go up and down. Pro players too. And what do you do in those moments to help build their confidence if you see it drooping a little bit? It's a great question, Coach. And I, I feel like, you know, my role as an assistant coach, right, is to to be there for the guys, right? I really, really, in my core, in my heart, in my soul, for me, it's about the kids, right? It's the whole reason I do this. It's one, I love basketball, and basketball changed my life. I could go in, I don't want to bore you to tears with my story, but it really did change my life, coach. And everything to this day, from my relationship with God to my family to my job to everything that I've done in this life has started with basketball. And I really, you know, maybe I'm crazy and I'm sick that way, but that's how I think. So because of what it did for me personally is what I want to give back to kids and young men, because that's to me what it's all about. It's not even about basketball. I love the game and I love, I'm a gym rat. I want to recruit. I want to sit in the stands and find, find players. But more importantly, the kids that are in our program, whether it be my AAU program at Prestonwood or at Collin right now, I do this for the kids because it's my way of giving back. And then, and, and I, you know, I've never taken a dime to do any of this stuff. I don't ever want to. I do this because I'm passionate about the kids. So the relationships that I have with the players is why I do this. Mm. And when a kid's down, I feel like as an assistant coach, it's my job to pick them back up. And I try to do that daily, right? I try to pick three or four kids every day that that need some extra special attention because I've noticed a pattern, right? I've noticed, hey, he's been down or he didn't play the last as many minutes as he won in the last two games. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell him he's the best thing since sliced bread because I, I do believe it, right? You got to do these things. You're going to get better. Just stick with it. Don't worry about it. So it's almost like good cop, bad cop sometimes with a head coach and an assistant sure. coach where sometimes I have to play a role of just making sure I'm keeping these guys' uh, attitudes at an all-time high, right? Because it, it, it's a grind, like you said, and it's a long season and there's ebbs and flows. And even at the college level, right, kids' confidence levels get crushed sometimes because they're not getting the minutes they want. I believe it's my job to be there for them, to put my arm around them and tell them I love them because I do, and we're going to go fix this problem, right? And even if it doesn't equate to minutes, just keep grinding because at some point it's going to pay off. And that's just how my brain works, man. And I I just, I feel like that's my role, right? It's my role is to be there for the kids. I love what you said about the, the having the awareness of looking for those three to four in a practice. And I think, I think uh, Alex Sarama, um, with basketball immersion and he coaches overseas too. Like golly coach, I had a talk like this. I, I've, I've enjoyed this already, but have you ever, if you've ever been on a call or talking with a coach where man, you just feel like the dumbest guy in the world. Like I, I don't does. He's just one of, he's one of those guys, but they, he had a great point about actually being organized and intentional with what you just said. So he takes three or four guys assistant coaches take three or four guys and it's their job to really be aware and conscious of what those guys are doing because and I'm not saying it's not that way for you guys but like if if as a head coach it's it's our job to do what you're doing as well but like for me if I just go into a practice all right my eyes are open to who is struggling or who I I may miss some guys you know or like but I think as a staff 
if you almost like divide and conquer, like, yeah, these are our, your three guys that I'm entrusting to you and that you really want to be conscious. I don't know. I think that may be a, a for a high school program, um, maybe a way that what you're doing is right on the money and we can do it in a way to where we don't miss anyone or uh, just maybe even be more intentional with it. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I, you know, for me, it's about building the guys up, right? It's about building them up because uh, especially at our level, right? They're all fighting for that next scholarship. And some point we got to get them there, right? Uh, we want all of our sophomores to walk out of there with, with, with a full scholarship. And so, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's one of the things I really, really focus on. And I'll, you know, I'll do little silly things. Like when I get home from practice, like if I knew if I, and I've seen this, I, you know, 30, 40 times this year where a kid was struggling, right. I go over there and sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the the nicest guy sometimes right about this stuff. Right. I'll, I'll kind of go at them a little personally and challenge them, like challenge their manhood a little bit be like, Hey man, you're, you're being a chump right now. You need to like, you know, this, we can't have this. Right. But something you got to know, and that's where it comes to like, you got to know the players, right. You got to know their person, what makes them tick. Like there's certain kids I can jump on them and, and, and really like kind of go at them personally. And other kids I can't do that with. You got to be more delicate, right? You got to be, you got to use different words and different yeah. techniques. So I've seen a ton this year where like I would pick a kid out and be like, I'd go up and challenge him that practice. And all of a sudden he has this incredible practice, right? Because I, I, I challenge his manhood a little bit, right? And then all of a sudden he has this great practice. I'll make sure, man, when I get home that night at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, I text him, right? I'm like, hey, man, dude, I'm so proud of you. Like, you had the, probably the best practice you've had all year. And I appreciate that so much because you took my challenge and you, you leveraged it today, man. Have a good night. Boom. That's it. And I'll get a text back from the kid being like, man, thanks coach. You know, and that's to me what it's all about, man. It's because, you know, we have, we had 13 guys in our program this year. All 13 of these guys can hoop. They're all good players. Yeah. It's just a matter of when are they going to get their opportunity. Right. So how do we get them? How do I help them personally make sure they get prepared? So when coach calls their number in the game, they're overly ready. Right. So it's it's not easy, man. It's hard. But I, I really do, man, really try to intentionally pick out kids that are struggling and build them up and then make sure that we just keep moving forward. And that's a great point that we need to validate. Validate them when we give correction, we're trying to push them to another level and they do it yes. to acknowledge it. And give them positive feedback. Because I, I think what happens a lot is we'll see a level of our improvement that they need to make. We'll give the correction. And that's it. Like we don't ever circle back around like that text you had at 9 or 10. Or I, I, I we work a lot with footwork. I don't know a lot of coaches do, but footwork to me is, is especially because offensively your footwork can take your athleticism to another level and on the opposite is true if you are athletic but you have bad footwork it can actually make you appear less athletic and so uh, footwork is huge when i see somebody on a dribble pull up stride into the wrong foot or the incorrect foot i give that coaching and then when they do it right i just turned on go to the next guy <laughs> like i i mean make a big deal of it because like I think they're going to repeat those actions where they feel that sense of praise and encouragement from us. And so I think that was, that's a great nugget that you shared. 
I, you're, you're right, coach. I think validation is key, man. Just just letting them know they did something, you know, positive, man. Because it, it's such a long season, the ebbs and flows, and sometimes kids can can get negative. So yeah, circling back and making sure that you say, hey, I, I recognize the fact that you, you know, you did what coach asked you to do, and man, great job. You know, um, it, it's it it really I think it really does help the kids because they get beat down sometimes, especially for the kids that aren't getting the minutes. You know yeah. what I mean? That becomes really really hard. So yeah, validation and just making sure they're staying ready. So when their number gets called, they they they're they're ready to go. I want to hit the speed round because. I know you, and a lot of people in this area do, but after the speed round, we're going to know you even better. <laughs> Uh-oh. You ready? <laughs> Quick questions. First thing that pops in your head. All right. Favorite ice cream flavor? Coffee. Nice. Uh, greatest shooter of all time? Steph Curry. Texting or talking? Talking. Greatest basketball movie of all time? Hoosiers. For shot uh, for high school, shot clock or no shot clock? Shot clock. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> uh, favorite holiday? Christmas. All right. What book would you give someone? The Bible. Boom. There's no book better than all right. Uh, <laughs> Best book ever made. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nobody, no one else has a chance there. Uh, in basketball, who is the goat? MJ, without a doubt. And anybody that wants to argue with me about that, I'm I'm open. Call me on my cell phone. (laughs) (laughs) We can can debate that. (laughs) Uh, Your favorite place to travel? Hawaii. Oh, mine too. That's it. Best place ever, man. My family and I love that place. We it's our favorite place. It's the one place that when we get there, I feel like I'm home. And when we're about to leave, I physically feel sick that I'm leaving. <laughs> like, I, I, why? Like, Jana and I, every time we're there, we see a high school and we go, I bet they need coaches there. I bet <laughs> they need teachers there. <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, last one. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? I'm a one cup a day guy. One cup, sometimes two, but usually one. Did you have two the, upset my stomach? One gets me going. Two kind of gets my stomach going. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, you have the discipline and control to stick with one, which is impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> Coach. Man, this has been so much fun. Uh, so enjoyable just to get to talk hoops with you. Always have had so much respect for you and um, and your family and and just how much you love the game. Uh, I, I love this man. Well, Coach, I, this has been a, a pure uh, pleasure, and I, I, I was like I said when you asked me to do it, man. You're the the Baylor legend. The uh, I knew you were going to be a heck of a head coach one day when I saw you do your first workout. I said this dude's special, man. And uh, I, you can even ask my kids. I told my kids that when you were the assistant at McKinney High, and I watched one of your workouts, I came home and I told my son, I said, man, that guy's the real deal. He's going to be a heck of a head coach one day, and and sure as anything, you you turned out to be one of the best in the area, man. So. When I got the opportunity to come speak with you, I'm dropping everything, man. So, well, coach, I'm obviously going to delete all of that from the ah. that, <laughs> no, no, but man, the the feelings, the feelings mutual there. Thank you for the good work that you're doing at Colin College and helping those guys out. And I think you're the real deal, man. So uh, appreciate your time. All right, coach. Thanks. Have a blessed day, man. Thank you so much. You too. 
Thank you for checking out today's episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your fellow coaches, and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti Podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.